today's going to be good. How many think today's going to be good? Only tell me if you mean it. Do you really think today's going to be good? Okay. Good. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. When you have it in your minds, because nobody uses Bibles, evidently, just say amen. It's okay to still carry a book called the Bible, even if it's in digital format and you have every translation at your fingertips. Don't neglect the Bible. Without the Bible, we have nothing here. We're not preaching my thoughts. We're preaching the, the text of the Bible. It's God's thoughts. So if you're like me and when they used to get to the passage, that's the part where I'm like, uh, when will this be over? I can just encourage you that is not the way it should be. And I had a bad outlook for many lives. Like, when do I get to get up there and play guitar again? Forget the scripture. This is why we're here. This is Paul talking. Oh, this is so good. I've been waiting months to speak this one. This is so good. This is Paul reflecting back on his journey. How many know who Paul is? Paul the apostle. How many know what he used to be called? Saul. Isn't it funny how he rhymed, but it was still different? He could have been like a rapper, maybe. Used his name in some raps. He's reflecting back now from Corinthians, trying to encourage the Corinthian church of some of the ups and downs of his own journey. And I've preached more than once Paul on his, Saul on his road to Damascus when God blinded him and he took his vision for three days. And he started his ministry into being the biggest apostle of the Gentiles in the New Testament. That was his calling. Peter was to the Jews and the Gentiles, but Paul was the Gentile or non-Jew apostle that God called. He says, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ. Look to your neighbor, tell him, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Now, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't really know, but God knows. And something happened. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows. Reiteration, he repeats. That's emphasis. This is important, he's saying. Verse 4, I don't know how, but I was caught up to the paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should boast, I will not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. Yeah, you didn't know he was talking about himself here, did you? He's saying my younger self was messed up. And God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul's kind of a weird dude if you put him in 2022. I don't know he had a lot of friends, but sometimes what's weird is what God wants. 
Sometimes I feel like a weird guy myself. Anybody ever feel like the weird one being the Christian? You know, you go to the place and you're the odd one out. You feel weird. But then I remind myself, God likes me to be different. And if I'm different, therefore, I can confidently say I'm weird. I'm okay with that. Paul was weird, and he was faithful. He's reflecting back on the things he did when he was Saul. And there's probably way more that he knows than any of his witnesses knew or any of us would know. But he still carried that hardship of knowing where he was and that how, how dare God spare him like he did. So now he's saying, I'm going to take that arrogance I had and everything I put out there is about him. And that if I'm going to say something really big about myself, it's going to be how weak I am and how dead I am without the blood of Jesus. That's what happened to a, a changed heart. That's what a changed heart will do. It'll take you from being a murderer to a, to, um, a follower of the Savior. You're no longer trying to extinguish God's people, but trying to grow that church. Isn't that cool? He's reflecting back in these visions he's had because we know he was Saul, very educated Hebrew man, persecuting the Jews of the first century. Didn't like this thing about Jesus, this revival going on in Acts and wanted to do everything he could to stop them. And then God knocked him off his, well, we think it's a horse. We don't know. Maybe it was a camel. Maybe he just fell. There's conjecture on what had happened exactly. doesn't matter. What matters is God blinded him. He fell. And then in three days, he became something we had never seen, which is the opposite of what he was. And so here's what's really cool. He got renamed to Paul. Let me come back to that. How many had coronavirus the last two years, three years? So I think I had it before there was a term for it. Christmas 2019, I got there and preached. I couldn't speak. I was the sickest I'd ever been. They said, you have influenza, boo. It blew, boo, B. I can't speak. B, 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 I had influenza, uh, flu, B, they said. Well, I thought, man, I've never been this sick. I was having trouble walking. I was still preaching, though. There's a video to prove it. Like, man, what was I thinking? I remember I had to take some naps on Christmas Day. I'm like, what is wrong with me? Well, I came to find out, I think I had, you know, corona before it was trending. <laughs> I was one of the first adopters. And uh, Yvonne, you too? I feel you, girl. Well, this past Christmas, we got the next strand. And isn't it so funny that right when we bought the building and closed and we're getting ready to launch our first service in January, the Gwaltneys all get coronavirus. Somehow we had stayed clear of every person that ever got it and we were just fine until it's time to open up the doors to this place. Anybody remember that? We didn't have church for like a month, right? Every week, I'm like, one more week. How many tests do we got to do this? Because it, it went through everybody but my brand new baby. Even my baby's mama, that's my wife, had it and my little Camilla, six weeks old, never got it. Nursing. You want to talk about being scared? Scared? I didn't care about me, Larry. My brand new baby was exposed to this, and my wife had it and was nursing this thing. And we're like, okay, God, there's no choice here. And they say, like, the antibodies took care of that. I think Jesus took care of it because we prayed over that baby. Nothing else mattered. We knew we had the endurance to, to overcome, but the baby was helpless, and I was so angry. I became angry that someone gave me this. And my baby that we waited for, our seven, someone gave, like that's how I felt. I got really angry at the whole picture. 
And so in hindsight, kind of like Paul, I think there was some meds involved that were causing my brain to get a little weird that the doctors had given me, but something happened where I could not think. I think they call it brain fog. Well, I was getting, uh, for the first time in almost five years, a little nervous, like I couldn't think the text at all. Like it was like, it's like God had took it from me. And, and Jen, I remember I told you this, it's like he took it from me and it scared me. And I'm like, this is not right. And I'm the type of guy who don't like to force something. If it's not there, I just kind of wait for it to feel natural. It's kind of like songwriting. I don't force it. I wait for it to come natural. And so, so I went through this period where I couldn't think. And so I didn't know what to do. I felt like I was losing the ministry of my heart and I couldn't even figure out why. And so God said to YouTube, Paul, so I remember there, sitting in the recliner, uh, what day is it, I have coronavirus, um, brain fog. Really, it was psychiatric drugs they put in me. And I'm going, what's wrong with me? Now I know. And I started watching Paul, like on repeat. Everything I could find about Paul, I knew about Paul, but I didn't really know the depths of Paul as well as I thought. I preached, I preached uh, the road to Damascus, I've done all these things, but I still didn't really know Paul. So I started watching that and it was so weird because God slapped me off my recliner like he slapped Paul off his horse. I'm not kidding. I welt up going, oh my God, what have I been doing? I thought I was building this thing. I thought I was the one building this thing. That's why I hurt a ligament in my arm to this day. It still hurt. I think I gotta have surgery because I thought I was taking down the walls myself. And as soon as God said, I can take it away as quickly as it came, you are nothing without me. I fell to the ground like Paul. Luckily it wasn't as high and I landed on carpet. And I started doing a little more homework and I went to the dictionary and I said, why did he name him that? The dictionary.com says, Paul, a male given name from a Latin word meaning little. Oh, snap. I told you all the great things Paul did, right? Do you know his name means little? Let's go to Wikipedia. It says it derives from the Roman family named Paulus or Paulus. Excuse me if I'm pronouncing that wrong. From the Latin objective meaning small, humble, little. Now, isn't it funny? It's just a strange coincidence, isn't it? That Jesus took one of the most powerful men in Saul who just had it together. He was rolling on doves and he was killing people like they were candy. No, whatever, whatever, but just, just, just taking them out like Tic Tacs. And he says, I'm gonna knock you off that thing and I'm gonna give you a new name because in order to see me, you have to recognize what you are. Small, humble, little. Therefore, you, Saul, are now Paul, which was his Roman name. He had dual citizenship, Hebrew and Roman. And he never went by Paul until he started his ministry. So he carried around this thing that just sounded small to him. Well, I don't want nobody to call me Paul when I grow up in, in the high school and stuff because they won't think I'm cool. Jesus says, that's what I like. You need to go by that name. I was just so moved by that because God often renames people in the Bible. We know, we know Jacob, we know, we know Paul, you know, Peter, like everybody has a surname, a different name, an alternate name when God does a transition in our life, okay? So he took this man who was so strong mentally and he was so confident and he stripped him of it. And I, I thought, what are you saying, God? I thought I was humble 
He says, not enough. Not like you think. You think you grill on that meat so good, PJ? <laughs> Mike, we talk barbecue. He says, I gave you that grill. I gave you YouTube. Without YouTube, PJ, you wouldn't know how to grill that brisket or smoke it. Don't act like you did that. You just copied something I gave you. You just took what I gave you. The story of Paul's conversion from Saul is remarkable because that is how God shows us there is power in the world's view of insignificance. Was anybody else a nerd? Didn't have a lot of friends? Wasn't in the cool club? And if you are, that's okay too. But, but, but the world teaches you that you're insignificant if you don't fit the world's mold. God just shook that up. Purpose is stepping aside in order to magnify the only one who is worthy to recognize. If you're going to put it on Instagram, make it about Jesus. We're taught to make it about us. Guilty. If we're going to put it out there, is it really about Jesus? Paul's like, I got to fix some things now that I'm going by Paul. Paul's speaking in hindsight about his conversion in this passage we wrote. Paul was the guy who was self-fulfilled self-sufficient and confident in his own ability to achieve everything he set his mind out to do. If he said, I'm going to do it, I'm going to tell someone to do it or some way it's going to be done. That's how Paul, that's how Saul, excuse me, thought. However, at this time, when he was transitioned, God showed him a different way to live, an approach to life that actually contradicted how he had been living and was the true way to live in God's will. So my question today to you Yes, you, insert name in brackets. Are you willing to step down from your plan and priority in order to lift up the purposes of God to this world? Will you deny yourself to find yourself? Are you willing to get demoted to find your destiny? Anybody ever heard the term, you got to step back to go forward? Sometimes you need to be fired in order to get the job you really want. My title today is Demoted to Your Destiny. Demoted to Your Destiny. Look to neighbor and tell him you need a demotion. That is the most encouraging church I ever went to. They, they gave me Starbucks and they told me that I need to be demoted. Usually it's like you need a promotion. You need blessing. You need this. Well, sometimes this is how God gives it to you. We, play, we pray. I cannot speak today. We pray for blessing and favor. Let me slow down and articulate better. <laughs> this became a theatrical. Um, but God gives it to us in a way that sounds like a, a, a denial, failure. And we think it's the end when maybe it's the beginning. Hold on to that. We'll come back to that at the end of the season of this sermon. Are you willing to get demoted to find your destiny? Mm. The problem with Saul was seeing it like Paul. Remember, he was named Paul before he started using the name. But the problem throughout Saul's life was him starting to actually see it like God designed it under the Roman name Paul. Small. Seeing it small. Seeing in what we do, small and insignificant outside the realm of God. And that in order to be big, we must boast of him. That's why he reiterates that because he was so convicted by his behavior all those years. He, it was under his command the apostle Stephen was stoned to death. Anybody remember that? Saul did that. Yeah. 
nice guy, just full of joy, full of the joy of the Lord. So even when the Lord forgave him and he was out teaching Christians, that's in the back of his heart. Now, I'm not saying he should hold on to that, but that'd be hard to let go of because that's in the back of his heart. So all he knows to do is just keep going more in, more in, consuming more God, sharing more God, everything he has to do to eradicate that dark seed from his past. And that's good. Do what you gotta do. He was boastful of himself when he was Saul. He was cocky. He was self-righteous, powered, powerful. And it's easy to read about Paul the apostle, but man, is it hard to live like him. I mean, this is a guy who sang praises from prison till the, till the shackles broke. I don't want to go to jail and sing for somebody else. I just don't love people enough. I don't know. I mean, I love Jesus, but, but do I really love him? You know, you got to get to a point where you're desperate for your destiny. Paul already knew it. Paul knew wherever he went, prison or no prison, it didn't matter because God was bigger. What if we looked at church that way? What if we looked at statistics of God's house that way? There is nothing positive about planning a church statistically. It is the most easy thing to fail in the culture. But do we think by God, but by the world's measure of statistics? No, we go by God's calling. That's why we press forward. Anyway, seeing it like Paul. And God will test us in whatever, coronavirus. I hate giving glory to that word. I rebuke it. I call it Rona instead. Given, given, given glory to Rona, given, given these things that we think hurt us, which maybe they helped you see life different. Maybe turning 40 will help you. Maybe turning 50 will help you. Maybe it's not God wants to make you miserable because you're getting more gray hair. Maybe it's God's trying to show you what's important in your life and your kids are growing up. I just got a text this morning about something one of my nieces, and I don't think it's, I don't know if it's okay to share yet, but it was a really exciting thing, and I started weeping because they grew up. When did that happen? She was just the baby. Now she's a woman. I said, dear Lord, my child's next. So maybe God is using this thing to show it to you different, to see it like Paul, instead of living in the high speed lane of Saul. Get off the freeway once in a while. Stop at the park. Get the coffee once in a while, even though it's $4.79 for black coffee. Once in a while, do some things and slow down. Because God can't show you if you can't see. And if you can't see, you'll never have revelation. Remember, Jesus said, in order to hear and see in the spirit, we have to hear and see with our spiritual understanding. And they, you know, the, in the gospels, they were all caught up with the, the fleshly impressions of miracles and all these things. And God said, I'll do that, but I'm really trying to show you what you can't see. And so, so everything about Christianity and following God is God trying to show you what he sees for your life. And so the battle in the journey, we call it the hills and the valleys, is the whole time God is just pulling us through the wilderness to try to get us to see the promised land. And that maybe we could have even had the promised land sooner if we had been seeing and hearing sooner. That is the journey, is recognizing God's calling on our life. That is what this life is for. I never looked at it like that way. I thought it was about nice cars, nice house, and impressing everybody. 
until a decade goes by and you go, why do I still feel empty, Saul? Why do I still feel depressed, says Saul? Because that is not your calling. I need a Paul. Look to your neighbor and tell him, I need a Paul. Is it you? I need a Paul. Saul was blind spiritually, so God blinded him physically so he could see spiritually. This is good. This is good. If God can't get you in the spirit, he's going to get you in the physical to get you back in the spirit. You see what he did? Remember uh, Jonah and the whale? What did Jonah do? He ran. This has nothing to do with this sermon, but it does now. He ran from Nineveh. God says, I'm going to get, I'm going to, this is my will for your life. Come on, come on, free Willie. Come get him. Slurp, burp, back into Nineveh. He didn't die. He was a vessel. The whale took him and put him back on the path that God sent. So God says in this journey, trust me on this, you can run, 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 but eventually I'm going to get your heart and you will know Nothing we can do can escape my love, my will. Come on, you can clap for that. It's okay, I know you want to. Be the first, the rest will follow. The Bible says he inhabits our praises. So when you praise, angels move. They don't move off thought, they move off praise. Glossalalia, speak it. Language. We preach in Acts 2 here? No, we're not. That's a different week. Which name do you want? Well, the younger me said Saul's cool. I like him. Isn't it funny how uh, there was two messed up Saul's in the Bible? Neither of them were good. They both were messed up. The Saul that tried to take out David and the Saul that tried to prevent the, 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 the one self becoming who God called, which is Paul. Isn't that funny that both Saul's were messed up? Maybe don't name your kid Saul. That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying at this point, if you decide to call him Saul Jacob, Saul Daniel, Saul Joseph, I'm just saying maybe you should give him like a nickname and only leave that on the birth certificate. Just kidding. We don't, we don't believe in like all that uh, stuff, but plus it, it just, it's, not a, it's not a 2022 name. It's just not cool. How about that? To say Saul. Paul's cool. Which name do you want? Let me rephrase it like this. Which mindset do you want? It's not about the name. The name means what's going on in here. That's why God renamed stuff. That's why he renamed Jacob to Israel. It's not about because the word Israel was so cool. It's because it represented something. Which name do you want? You want to be Billy Bob or Paul? Billy Bob's cool. I know him. You want to be Saul. What do you want? Which do you want? Which does God want? I probably have a gut instinct on which one God would want. Do you want to be small in stature? Or small in the eyes of God so that he can magnify through you? Small in the stature of this world, excuse me. Or small in the eyes of God's bigness, goodness. That's the worldview versus God's view. We think we know, but what if we don't know what we think? I was sitting in that chair going, God, I thought I preached good. I can't remember a thing right now. I thought I had this thing figured out. I'm comfortable now. 
I got to figure it out. I used to be intimidated. On year one, Larry, I was intimidated. By year three, I'm like, I don't get nervous. God said, don't ever sleep on my word. So that's why, that's why pastors put time before. Because if the word ain't right, the shepherd leads his sheep astray. And so God showed me on the lazy boy. I can take it. It's not you. And I, I'm not saying I was like Paul, but Saul completely, but I had a little bit of Saul in me. I think we all do, right? So I was like taking a little bit of credit for it. You know, you get too many pats on the back, you start believing the own, the own thing, like, wow, this is so cool. How'd you do this? Don't ever take God's name out of that. And I didn't, but I could feel the enemy trying to do something here. And when I felt like I couldn't get any word in me, I didn't know what I was going to preach when we opened this building. And like, I felt flat. I said, God, what are you doing? He says, I'm reminding you because this is how you endure. What God was really doing was not fixing some major problem. What he was doing was, was equipping us for the next stage. I had a pastor friend. This is just a side note. I had a pastor friend. I got so excited to tell when we got this building. And he just ripped me to shreds. It was before we actually closed, we were making the offer. And he ripped me to shreds. Saying, what about this? What about that? What about this? I left that conversation feeling so small. But I loved it because I knew what he was doing. He was equipping this church for the next chapter because he'd have been through it and then some. And I'm like, he didn't just, woo, good for you. It got so good. Good for you. He, was, he loved me enough to tell me the danger in what we're messing with. And he says, if you don't do it right, it will burn you back. If you don't do it for Jesus, it will burn you back. You want to crush something? Crush your life if you don't do it for God, because it will burn you back. And I remember him saying it like that, and, and I'll never forget it. And man, did it light a fire under my tush. Can I say tush in here? Whoo! I'm like, let's go. I like a challenge. And that's what we did. And it was all in that same window. That Christmas season, the Messiah has come. Oh, did he show up that Christmas? Not under my tree, in my heart. It's so draining to be inward focused. That's why we have so many problems when we're focused on self. But now Paul has his focus on others. And Paul says in this text again, in hindsight, the focus is to magnify the good deeds that glorify God. He said God spoke to him in this vision, in the third heaven, he calls it, the paradise. He recognized his demotion was a promotion. The world thought it was over. God said, I'm just beginning with you. Are you willing to get demoted today to find your destiny in your purpose? Purpose is a cliche pastor word, and I want to preach it like I mean it. You have a purpose in this life. If I could connect eye to eye with every one of you, I would tell you have a purpose in this life that is bigger than the flesh, is bigger than this world. And the whole journey of faith is recognizing that that's what matters. The rest will take care of itself. God gives us enough that we should be sufficient. 
My grace is sufficient, says Paul. God spoke that to him. Says you were worried, my grace is enough. Now go and do my purpose. Grace is so cool because look at Paul. We all feel like the good ones and Paul's the bad one. Saul, excuse me. How many of you would have forgiven Paul after he went into his ministry for what he did as Saul? Nobody would have forgiven him. I'm the only one that is like saying, no, I wouldn't forgive him. He's bad. I'm good. Would anybody, honestly, just raise your hand. Would anybody have forgiven him? Blaine? Oh, I can tell you why. Jake? Because they have childlike faith. They don't have judgment yet. Good one, Blaine. Blessed, my boy. He just turned nine. He said, I would have forgave him. Because the little children, this has happened before at One Seed, the little children speak out the word because, because they have an uncontaminated heart for judgment and loving others and all those things. And I can tell you right now, I would have a hard time forgiving Paul. Maybe I would say, you know, God, God loves you, I forgive you, but I don't want nothing to do with you because you were trying to kill my family. Let's give more context to this. You're serving the Lord. Here comes Saul knocking on your door like the IRS man. I'm coming to take your house. This is getting a little more real. Oh, he's going to talk politics? No. Jesus is political, though. That will change your, your niceness with people. But God says even more so, and now Paul is preaching it, because I messed up so bad, you should love, love others even more. Don't make the mistakes I did. And so this thing called grace comes into the picture. That's why God had to tell him grace was enough. Because there's nothing he could do to redeem the pain he created in those lives that he took. He could not bring Stephen back. Maybe Stephen had a brand new eight-month-old. You don't know. Neither do I. But nothing could redeem that except the grace of God. And so Paul could not get over this. He said, I can't fix it. What do I do? The devil torments me with this thorn. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, no matter what. If they won't love you, I still will, Paul. And he knew that about his Lord. Isn't that good? Come on, somebody. If you believe grace matters. I know we got a lot of saints in here, but is there any sinners? Thank you. I'm with you. Grace is magnified through smallness. It's magnified big. It's made big through smallness. Maybe we should all go home today and change our name. Anybody remember Corey Haim? <laughs> I wanted to be Corey so bad in the 80s. 79, I wasn't an 80s baby. My wife was. I wanted to be Corey Haim so bad that I tried to talk my mother into letting me get a legal name change. <laughs> Where do my kids get it from, Vincent? From Jeffrey to Corey. And then I thought, you know, is Corey kind of not manly? I remember thinking this at 10. Is Corey a little bit not masculine enough for me? Forget that. Forget that. God wants to change your name in your spirit. It don't matter where you go when this flesh dies. What matters is where your spirit goes. Which name do you want?
grace is magnified through smallness. And we must get small to magnify Jesus. I will boast in my weakness about how good God is. When they say, man, where did you come from with this thing? I said, we just kept plowing, pushing, being consistent, being faithful, believing, and acting on it. That's important. Don't believe without action because you got to have faith and the two go together. Now, isn't it funny that we quote something so powerful all the time in Philippians? And guess who it came from? Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We quote it and we forget the author. We forget that we even wouldn't forgive the author, but we quote his text. Come on, blind people of God. Not y'all. But you know what I'm saying? We quote it. Do we believe it? This man is crying out, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is when he preached from the, the prison in Philippians. He's speaking his heart in the journey, and he's giving it to you to learn from, setting the blueprint of what not to do. Isn't that good? He says, my grace is sufficient, says God. I can be empowered by that word. If y'all can stand with me as we close this, I'm going to give you a little more. Is that all right? I like people. When you receive it, God pulls it. I can't do big things unless I reduce myself to nothing. I can't do big things for God's purpose unless I reduce myself to nothing. I can't do big things unless I reduce myself. I've got a grace and grace helps me see what I need to see. Grace becomes clear in humbled smallness. I want to tell you one more story. I want to tell you one more story before we close here and get back into worship. So last night, we were watching old video clips of our kids. Anybody do that? Do they call them videos anymore when they're digital? And uh, all my kids are like grown now. They're like 10, 11, 12. They feel grown when you're looking at them when they're three, Curry. And uh, this clip came up. Oh, this is good. I hope it blesses you like it blessed me of me and my brother in a, in a, a youth thing we started and it, it got pushed into a ministry that we weren't ready for, but my heart went all in it. And I did the worship and he preached. We called it organic. And this clip came up from 2012. No, no, excuse me. 2011, 2010. By 2012, it was done. And I did the worship, and we're in this little bitty space, and there was like three people, and, and it was like, and like there was no tech in this. It was just instruments. It was just a little four-piece, maybe a three-piece. There was no keyboards. There was no screens. There was nothing. There was just me yelling at people on the guitar saying, do it right. <laughs> just kidding. I was the singer, band leader. Now Nolani knows why I'm so mean sometimes with the worship team because I love y'all. <laughs> and um, so we're watching this clip and I was listening to my brother talk and I'm like, man, he was really good. And, and I was watching and it was, it was a clip on our baby dedication for Caleb when he was like three months old. He's 11 now. And um, that didn't work out. 
and, and it didn't turn out to be what we had planned it to be, and that's, that's okay. And I can tell you I had put my heart into this, and, and something happened when we shut the door on that because I had everything in it. All my eggs were in that basket. I was bringing the music back. I was bringing ministry into this. I was feeling God do something, and then the door was shut. And so a few months later, I was just having dinner. Me and my wife, Michelle, you probably remember this. If you're in here, I don't know if you're in here with the baby, but um, we were having dinner with another pastor friend, and we didn't have very many pastor friends. In fact, we had no pastor friends. It's not like we hung out with pastors back then. And he brings this up, and I'm pretty strong. And he goes, I think you feel like a failure because organic didn't work out. And I broke down bawling like a newborn. Didn't know I felt that way until he just poked me and all the stuff. I said, yeah, I do. I said, I gave everything to that. And now it's over. Well, a few years went by. But what I didn't understand, church, at the time is that was not the end. That was the beginning. You getting this? There's no one seed without getting rejected at organic. There was no one seed without a pastor saying, you feel like a failure, don't you? He said, God's got more in there. And I was just such a snob about music and things. I thought I can never do this in any other way. That'll never happen. And years later, all of a sudden the church comes. And so we're watching the video and we're praising. And I even caught myself saying something I say now, like you step by step, you move for God. I was like saying something like that. And I was like, what's wrong with me? It was in me back then. I didn't even know that. I didn't even read the Bible. I just sang. And so it was really cool because God started something that I thought was the end. So what I'm telling you is when, Paul, when God ended Saul's reign, he started Paul's journey. You getting this? When God, when, God, when, God, when God took you through something like corona or a demotion or whatever, maybe now the room is clear that you can focus on where you're supposed to be. In God's house, in God's, in God's ministry is so good. And God wants to take you there. Grace is magnified through smallness. And I give you that because I was humbled to nothing in that moment. When the door closed there, I said, what now? Back to normal life, I guess. God says, you do it. But wait on somebody. Well, that took another eight years or something like that before I said, okay, let's go do it. My faith wasn't there yet. God was pruning. God's pruning you. You will do it. You will go forward into the kingdom and do great things if you accept God's calling on your life. You getting this? You can praise for that. You've got a calling too. This isn't the Jeff show. This is the church show. And if you believe it, God says he'll change your name today and he'll take you into something new. Isn't that good? I give glory for that. I give praise for that. And so we're going to sing it now. We're going to glorify now that we can walk through this world in a humble, self, uh, uh, self, non-self-centered way, but giving everything we've got for the kingdom to the world. And they're going to magnif- we're going to see Jesus magnified. We're going to see this place lit up, walls come down, lights go up, stage be elevated, rooms go up. Oh, kids have a place. We're going to see things. They're going to go, how did they do that? They changed their name. They changed their name. We thank you now, God. We bring, we usher in your presence now, God. We felt it and we ask you to stay now. Touch the hearts, 
that have been listening right now, change their hearts today. Give them direction as Paul, get rid of Saul. This is bigger than that. In order for them to see bigger, they got to get smaller. It's not about us, it's about you. And we're thankful we see it now. We see it in the spirit. We see it clearly now. The picture is bigger than this pulpit. The picture is bigger than this room. The picture is eternity. And that is now my focus as Paul. We give thanks now that the house of God can praise your name. And everybody say, in Jesus' name, amen.